are in the wilderness. Jesus now is providing manna for the people in the wilderness. And then in the next day, we see him spending time teaching and developing this theme of Jesus being the true bread. And again, um, I I just want us to think uh, about the way we should read John 6. And that is, Jesus intentionally, on the second Passover of his ministry, leads the people into the wilderness to do the miracle, because on the next day, he intends to apply the symbols of that miracle to point to himself, to make this declaration, I am the true bread. Well, there's something else um, that makes John 6 significant, and for me, makes John 6 um, a particularly treasured uh, chapter um, in the Gospels. And, um, and, and that is, what John 6 does to feed my soul and to help me as I think about what should I be thinking on, meditating on, as we participate in the Lord's table. This gives me rich direction, and I want to spend some time looking at why that is the case. One of the curious things about the Gospel of John, in distinction from the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that the Gospel of John does not record Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very particular as they're giving some of the details of what was happening in that upper room on that night on which Jesus was betrayed. Each of them give details where Jesus says, take this bread, this is my body, take the cup, this is the blood of the, of the new covenant. Each of the gospel writers prioritize that in their narratives and they record that, but John doesn't. Now, there are a number of reasons for that. One, I think, is because John is writ- writing his gospel after the, first, after the other three have been written, and John writes his gospel knowing what Matthew and Mark and Luke have already written, so he's giving extra details. But I think that um, elevates the significance of this chapter. So while John doesn't record Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, what he does record on the second Passover is substantial teaching of Jesus that gives weight, gives meaning, gives significance to the words that Jesus does say on the night of his betrayal. So Jesus says, take this bread and eat, this is my body. Take this and drink, this is the blood of the new covenant. And and Jesus here in John 6 teaches about the significance of these words, eat of this bread, eat of my body. Drink, drink of my blood. There is numerous debates about how exactly we should read John 6. Is John 6 actually particularly talking about the Lord's Supper? And I would say, I don't think it's particularly talking about the Lord's Supper, but it's giving the theological foundation. It's giving the foundation of Jesus' teaching, which fills out and deepens our understanding of what the Lord's Supper is. So let's give our attention to John 6 um, and particularly the words of Jesus. One of the things we saw last week is that the people experience the miracle. They wake up the next day, don't see Jesus anywhere, and they go searching. They give effort to search for Jesus. And uh, they finally find him and they say, hang on, how did you get here? 
Jesus ignores their question, and I want to pick up then in verse 27. He says, do not work for the food. That is, do not give effort. They've given effort to looking for material food, physical food, physical sustenance. And he sees right through them, and he sees they have hearts of unbelief. And so he admonishes them. He says, don't give effort. Don't work for the food that perishes, but rather for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And so in verse 28, and they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, they're thinking purely on the physical, worldly terms. They don't understand the spiritual significance of what Jesus is saying. They don't understand the spiritual reality to which Jesus is speaking. Their, their, their eyes are blinded, and they're just hearing Jesus speak, and they're just taking the words he's saying at face value, and they think he's just talking about, as it were, um, literal work and literal food and literal physical life. So Jesus responds to them in verse 29. This is the work of God. This is what you should give your all to, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now the crowd, many of whom have hearts of unbelief, don't respond with hearts of belief. They respond with hearts of unbelief. And here's what they say in verse, th- th- um, verse 30. Then what sign will you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? Notice how they've turned this around. Jesus says, you ought to be working. And then they turn around to Jesus and say, no, you do some works. They've totally upended the words of Jesus. And they're trying to offload responsibility to Jesus. And they say, hey, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It seems here that the the, um, the unbelieving crowds are, are, are pretty cynical. And they, they experienced a sign. They recognized the sign. When Jesus demands a response for them, they evade the demand. And they try to make a demand of Jesus. And, and their, their unbelief is so great that they're, it seems like they're comparing Jesus to Moses and say, well, you know, you had a good miracle, but, but you didn't cause the bread to come down out of heaven like Moses did. You must not be as good as Moses. So in order to prove yourself to be as good as Moses or better than Moses, we want to see something else amazing. So we see here um, the true heart of, that they had. This heart of unbelief is increasingly made evident. And Jesus responds then in verse 32. Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they're still hearing with hearts of unbelief. They're still thinking in terms of literal food that you can touch and put into your mouth and and eat. And so they say, sir... Give us this bread always. Where is it? Show us this bread. They are not hearing 
with hearts of belief, and so they do not understand the spiritual significance of what Jesus is saying. So Jesus responds and declares again in verse 35, I am the bread of life. So he he said this in the previous verses, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. But here in the most explicit way, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus is outlining What is this bread he's talking about? And what is the life that he's talking about? How do you consume this bread? How do you receive this bread? You come to Jesus and you believe in Jesus. The people of the the crowds, it would seem the majority of whom have hearts of unbelief. They do not have hearts to hear this. Again, they're just thinking on the physical, literal level. They're not understanding the spiritual significance of what Jesus has said. They don't have hearts to hear. And so Jesus escalates his condemnation of their unbelief. And he, um, we might say, deepens what he's saying symbolically. To To the unbelieving ears, what Jesus says becomes more confusing. But to those who have spiritual eyes to see, what Jesus says becomes more profound. And so Jesus speaks in a way that is a stumbling block to those who don't believe. But to those who've heard the call of the Father, they hear these spiritual words, the words of life, and they receive them and they believe. So let's look at verse 47. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now he's, he's giving an, an extra qualification to the kind of life that he's talking about. He's not talking about physical life, life that perishes. He's talking about eternal life. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Implication, I am the bread of this kind of life, eternal life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. Your fathers ate physical food and they died physically. And implied behind this is that many of them ate in unbelief and died in their unbelief. In contrast, verse 50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die, that is, die ultimately, die eternally. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. So Jesus, again, is directing what is... How is it that we might enter into receive this kind of eternal life? We are to eat of this bread. Now, we need to eat of the bread to receive eternal life. Jesus is now speaking on a spiritual level. So he's speaking here of the eating and the bread in spiritual ways. The the physical bread and physical eating are symbolic 
of true spiritual eating of the spiritual bread. And when I say spiritual here, I don't mean less real, less true. I would say it's ultimately real and it's the ultimate truth. Jesus says, I am the true bread, the ultimate bread, the bread that all the other bread signifies, points to. So when we say, what is Jesus saying spiritually, we mean, what is he saying according to spiritual realities? But look what happens in verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Notice the statement. They're hearing Jesus, and they don't have a comprehension of the spiritual realities that Jesus is talking about. They're hearing these words, and they're thinking of um, like gnawing on the flesh like you might gnaw on the leg bone of a lamb. That, that's the level of their comprehension. In their unbelief, they don't have spiritual eyes to understand the spiritual truth that Jesus is speaking of. And so he presses deeper. He becomes more provocative in what he's saying to those with unbelieving ears. But he becomes more profound as he speaks of spiritual truth to those who have ears to hear. Before we read on in verse 53, I want us to turn to Leviticus 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus 17 and verse 10. This refrain is um, seen in um, a number of places in Leviticus, but I think this is a good summary place. Leviticus 17 and verse 10. If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So the consuming of Jesus, uh, God wants to make clear that they ought not to consume the blood because that is something that is sacred. Life is sacred and they ought not to consume the blood. They ought not to treat life in this way. Reading on in verse 11. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. So, so kind of an elevating how they should view the blood. They ought not to partake of the blood because the life is in the blood. And this, this kind of elevates the sacredness, the significance of the symbology here of the blood. Because what should happen with the blood, the blood is set aside to be put on the altar to make atonement by the life. So the life is set aside, the blood symbolizing the life is given for atonement and placed on the altar. And that is why the blood should not be consumed. Verse 12, therefore I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. So this is a a, a strong command. This is something that would have been um, pervasively applied 
uh, throughout the uh, the people of Israel, and certainly was something that was high on the list of the fastidious regulations of the Pharisees in the first century. Okay, let's go back to John 6. John 6 and verse 52. Sorry, 53. So Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And at this moment, I have this image of like, like kind of the cartoon image, like smoke coming out of the ears of the Jewish people. Like this is so provocative. This is such a strong stumbling block to the people. Drink the blood? How unholy. How disregarding of the law of God that Jesus would be calling them to drink the blood. Now, of course, the hearts of the unbelievers are just thinking in literal terms here, right? They're, they're horrified. And Jesus is not saying, I now commend cannibalism. That's not what he's saying. But he's speaking here using the, the physical world to speak of profound spiritual realities. So verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So so we know from earlier in the chapter that Jesus is developing what does it mean to believe in Christ in order to receive life. And as he moves through this narrative, as he kind of deepens in the symbols he's using, he's actually giving us these beautiful pictures to understand what it is to trust in Christ. Just as you eat food to sustain physical life, in the spiritual reality, you need to consume or receive Christ to have eternal life. And then he adds this extra symbol here of drinking blood. What does it mean to drink blood? Well, we learn in Leviticus, that would be to drink in life. Now, now why, is, why is that now a fitting thing to think about? Because the Son of God, who's given his flesh and given his blood that we might have life, he's given atonement that we see the symbolism of his life and his blood, and we, as it were, drink that in to receive his life that we might have his life. The life of a lamb or the life of a goat is human life, is, is physical life. That's symbolic of the life of Christ. It's symbolic of the ultimate act of atonement in Christ. And here we understand we are to spiritually receive all that is accomplished in the flesh of Christ and all that is accomplished in his blood I want to compare now um, what we see here in John 6 to what Jesus says is the institution of the Lord's Supper. So go back to Matthew 26. Um, as I read this, I hope, you, I hope you have a sense of how John 6 just teaches us and just gives so much fuller significance to what Jesus says here in Matthew 26. This 
is not the first time Jesus has said, eat my body. This is not the first time that Jesus has said, drink my blood. When he says this to the disciples, there's there's teaching behind this. So Matthew 26 and verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again. I will not drink again of it, this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So what is he telling the disciples? He's saying, this, this Passover meal that you are celebrating, which is a, a meal looking back to that Passover event, is now being changed. Because everything that the Passover meal pointed to is being fulfilled in the life of Christ. And now we're to do something new. Because Christ has done something definitive. And so we eat and we drink as symbols of our faith. We eat and we drink as an expression of our trust in Christ. So, um, I think this gives lots of rich instruction and help for us as we come to the table. The the act of eating bread, like we're putting physical bread into our mouth, it's it's a physical thing we do. It reminds us of just the daily act of eating. But it points to the spiritual reality behind that. You might pray something like, Lord, as I take this bread into my mouth, as physical food is necessary for my physical life, so I see the spiritual significance this points to. And I am trusting in you, Lord Jesus, that you have given your body that I might have eternal life. And as you drink the cup, Lord Jesus, you shed your blood, you shed your life. And as I drink this, I receive your life that I might have eternal life. This blood that was shed for me, this blood of the new covenant, which allows for me the hope of eternal life, eternal and complete reconciliation and fellowship with God. This blood I receive. And so what we're doing is we're doing this physical thing and that's symbolizing for us the spiritual realities. We are, as it were, enacting these symbols as they point to these spiritual realities. And God has given us this. Jesus gave this to us that we might stimulate and stir our faith. It's not that we become a Christian every time we do this, right? But what we are doing is we are, by symbol and in faith, we are actually spiritually taking this 
physical reminder and again deliberately setting our faith, setting our confidence, setting our trust in Christ as our Redeemer. So John 6 is a beautiful chapter here that, that gives us this rich and beautiful meaning of Christ's work for us. Let me just finish reading. I didn't read all of this section. So back in John 6, verse 57. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And just going down a little further to hear the response of faith. Those who are not believing, they left Jesus. And so Jesus speaks to the 12 in verse 67. Do you want to go away as well? And here's this declaration from Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so, brothers and sisters, fellow believers, let's partake together this evening as a people of faith, a people who delight in what Christ has done. He gave his life that we might have life. And his spirit is at work in us, strengthening our spiritual understanding and our spiritual comprehension of these things as we partake together. So let me give you a few moments of meditation as you reflect on this passage. Um, Elders, if you would come forward and get ready to serve, please.